Welcome to the No Guilt Mom Podcast. I am your host, Joanne Crone, joined by my blue co-host, Brie Tucker. Why, hello, hello, everybody. How are you? But not blue-haired, because that would... (laughs) (laughs) That's teal. That's teal. But I will say blue... blue. It should have been blue twin co-host. Yeah, we are. We're blue twins today. We did not plan it. No, no. But somehow this ends up happening, I would say... Uh, it, it happens often. But the funny thing is like we started working more remotely lately because of all the stuff we have going on and you're getting ready to move. Yes. Which is always so much fun. It's so crazy. we don't get to see each other in the same outfits as much. But when I dress pretty and I'm not in a concert t-shirt and like sweatshorts, mm-hmm. <laughs> we tend to match. But also I think like with working remotely, we've also not been getting dressed up quite as often. That's either, what I'm saying. Which like, is really great. Yeah. When I'm at home, it's like concert t-shirt or like a tank top because we've already hit the 100 plus and at least in my at least when I go out it feels like it's 100 plus out here in Phoenix already yeah I feel like it's good though you know I worked at a place about 20 years ago it was in LA and the owner of this place said that he didn't believe people could work from home like (sighs) obviously this is pre-pandemic or whatever but there's also the thought that you have to get dressed up to get work done I know a lot of people are like that too like they have to get dressed up to get work done I don't feel I'm like that do you feel you're like that well I don't but I think that's that's a very good point like okay so one thing we know just to to scratch the whole thing is that the pandemic has definitely changed the rules right I mean I would not hold this person to the same standards expectations of in January 2020 and expectations here in like June 2022 it's totally different. Right. Because totally, the pandemic has changed the way we look at things. And now with that being said, I do think that there are some people that need that routine. They need that break to make it very clear to them. And that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. But like you just said, in my scenario, I find that I do way better when I don't have to spend all that time getting ready, doing my hair, putting on my makeup, like picking out an outfit that, you know, looks okay and will make me through the weather here in Phoenix because I like to complain about it all summer long, Those are a lot of steps (laughs) that you have to go through in the morning. Right? And so that's why I like just, yeah, throw the hair up in a messy bun, throw on the t-shirt and professional from the waist up and we are good. See, sometimes (laughs) I am like that, especially when I'm doing these Instagram reels with the little one minute things for parents. I feel like you kind of almost have to. I feel like I have to. I have to get dressed up because although I love you all, I, and I'm sure people would accept me without makeup. In fact, maybe that's a good point. Like, Maybe we don't need makeup to be there is that in thing, public. There is that thing going around social media. It's been going on for a few months of the whole no makeup selfies, no makeup things. Jennifer Aniston did it. I think Cameron Diaz did it. A, a few other celebrities. And I know a lot of other people are doing it too. Yeah. I just, I wonder, and this is probably the fear in me as well. Do you feel like people are less professional when they're not made up? Well, I mean, obviously we're talking about women here because men don't wear makeup. I know, right? (laughs) But Um, do you feel like that's a a block for a lot Uh, of people in society? You know, okay. So with me personally, I don't think anything of anybody else not wearing makeup, not being professional. Mm -hmm. But what I do think is that everybody thinks that about me. Really? Well, I think everybody thinks that that about me too. Right. Like I I don't judge other people that way. I know. But I think that everybody judges me that way. Yeah. Hmm. Like another another good point for therapy Brie needs to bring up. <laughs> well, an example is Glennon Doyle. Glennon Doyle often doesn't wear makeup. And I think the world of her and her expertise, because it's always about for me, it's being considered smart. I don't know why that's a block for me. I always want to make sure that like I I want to be known as the person who has the reliable information and it's supported and it's not like 
flim flam. I don't know. And you feel like it could be viewed as flim flam when you're not all dressed up and ready to go. I guess so. I, it's weird. I can't even explain it. And I didn't even know why I don't think it you're alone in this. before I just talked about it right now. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't think you're alone in this. So people in podcast land, we actually need to hear from you about this. Yeah. So give us a shout back on social media. Shoot us an email at hello at no guilt mom. <laughs> Send us a review. Send us a review. <laughs> Write us a review. review. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Can we beg you all for a second, by the way? Oh yes. We are really stepping it up. We really want to make sure that this No Guilt Mom podcast gets out to everybody. If you love the No Guilt Mom podcast, if you are listening right now, can you share with everyone you know? Like share with the person who takes your order in the Starbucks drive-thru. Share with your hairstylist. Share with the checkout person at the supermarket. Share with your Uber driver next Friday. Share with the receptionist (laughs) when you're taking your kid for that cavity that they should not have if they had just listened to you by brushing their teeth. Or <laughs> that, that's very, very specific there. That's very specific. <laughs> I would say even share like the next time you go out and you are talking to another fellow parent, be like, hey, I know these really fun gals that do a pretty awesome podcast because we know you love it. We, we know you do. We so hope that you love it as much as we do. Share, share, share. We are trying to build the podcast. We want to get it to, as Bree said, as many people as possible. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So definitely. please share and uh, please Let us know you're out there too. We love you. But we know you're definitely going to want to share this episode because it is going to be hands down one of my top 10 favorites. Katie Kimball is a blogger, two-time TEDx speaker, former teacher, and mom of four kids who founded the Kids Cook Real Food e-course, recommended by the Wall Street Journal in 2020 as the best online cooking class for kids. Her blog, Kitchen Stewardship, helps families stay healthy without going crazy, and she's on a mission to connect families around healthy food, raise critical thinking skills using the lab of curiosity that is the kitchen and grow the kids meal revolution where every child learns to cook. He has a tip in here that is going to totally change the game on how you teach your kids how to cook. She was just phenomenal. We hope you enjoy our conversation with Katie. You want mom life to be easier. That's our goal too. Our mission is to raise more self-sufficient and independent kids, and we're going to have fun doing it. We're going to help you delegate and step back. Each episode, we'll tackle strategies for positive discipline, making our kids more responsible and making our lives better in the process. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom Podcast. Welcome, Katie, to the No Guilt Mom podcast. We are so excited to have you here and talk about kids and food. Yes. Yeah, this is going to be a good one. Thanks for having me. I've been following you for a while and especially your program about teaching kids how to cook. And this is such an issue for so many parents because I don't know about like you, Brie. I I do know about you actually (laughs) and how you're going to respond to this question because all my kids really want to make is mac and cheese. And it's so hard to get them past that point. So can you first like tell us a little bit about you and how you got to teaching kids how to cook? Yeah, I started my online life in 2009, actually teaching moms how to stay healthy without going crazy, like how to save on budget, save on time, what's healthy and what's not. And I kept hearing a really similar story from a lot of my readers. And they would say, Katie, I really do want to be healthy. I really want this, but I was never even taught to cook right? Like that's sort of the bane of our generation is we pretty much got skipped. And so it was a big hurdle to climb. And I thought, you know, we're not comfortable in the kitchen. 
we're probably not teaching our kids because you don't teach something you're not comfortable with. Right. Which means in 20 years, the kids are going to have the same phrase. Oh, I wish I could be healthier, but my mom never taught me to cook. So that was one of my motivations for sure for starting this, the kids cook real food e-course. The other one was in my own life. Um, I have four kids and you know, every kid you add, like the busier life gets, the more you forget to slow down and teach kids what really matters. And so when my oldest Paul was 10 and in fourth grade, he had to do a demonstration speech for his class. And I talked him into making homemade guacamole and he does the whole thing where he thwacks the pit out with the chef's knife. I love that. Trick. All the adults were like, <sighs> you know, like this 10 year old with a chef's knife. So I was super proud, right? I love raising the bar, but I also thought in my own head, had my own sort of crisis of like, oh my gosh, this is the only thing he knows how to make though. I don't, I don't know. Guacamole is great, but I don't think it's going to sustain him all the way to adulthood because I'd started really well with him, but every child that was added would made it harder for me to get him into the kitchen. So I thought, okay, like we got to pull back. I'm halfway through my parenting with him. He's going to leave in eight years. It's, it's time to get all these kids well-trained in the kitchen. And it really made a difference in our family too, that we can all help out now. It takes a little bit off my plate as well. I've been looking for simple ways to form healthy habits and get the nutrients my body needs even on busy mornings. And oh my gosh, has it been busy lately. And that's why I decided to give AG1 a try. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and more, but it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day every day and it makes me feel energized even like i still add the coffee on there because i like it a lot ag1 tastes really good too and i enjoy my glass every single morning ag1 is a supplement i trust to provide the support my body needs daily and that's why i'm excited to welcome them as a new partner if you want to take ownership of your health it starts with ag1 Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3, K2, and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com forward slash NGM. That's drinkag1.com forward slash NGM. Check it out. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of TILT is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the TILT Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Exactly. Totally, because it's really teaching kids the life skill, as you said. I mean, I could so identify with not being 
like taught how to cook. My grandma actually used to bring over like prepared dishes for us and drop them at our house. And that's what we ate during the week. So like my mom didn't cook either. My dad didn't cook. And then when I was raised off kid cuisine, remember those? <laughs> that, was an, cuisine. that was like a perk in my house. But it's so interesting when you're first learning how to cook, because I eventually taught myself off of like Food Network and Rachel Ray and um, Alton Brown. Like that's really how I learned. And when you learn those skills, it doesn't become so complicated in the kitchen anymore, but figuring out what skills you need to learn, like, where do you even start with kids? I feel like when we have talked about this with a lot of our followers, and I'm sure you get this all the time, Katie, a lot of parents, they're like, well, yeah, but my kid's going to chop their fingers off or they're not going to know how to, how to do anything. And then it's going to take me twice as long to teach them. And so there's all these reasons not to, and it just, they, they, they can't get over that hump. Well, you're right. Brie in the roadblock, right? Knives, fire, they're slow, they're messy. And so step one is we have to like shift our brains into the right motivation, right? Like I think it's really, cause you're not gonna stick with something if you don't believe it's important. So we've got to future cast a little bit and think about, all right, what do we want our kids to be doing between the ages of 18 and 22? Do we want them floundering about figuring out how to care for themselves? Or do we want them like meeting the man or woman of their dreams, pursuing a career, giving back to the world, right? So for me, that's one of my motivations. And the other, and the other big one is that when we see, then this was a surprise to me, when we see kids learning these authentic skills, their confidence increases so much. And parent after parent will tell me that their kids feel confident in the kitchen and it affects other areas of their life, right? So they're more confident. So that's where I think we've got to start is like, yes, there are some hurdles to get over, but if our brain is in the right spot, it's really important. And then Joanne, you hit on the other starting point, which is skills skills, not recipes. It's not about, oh my goodness, I have to let my child help for the whole muffin recipe or the whole soup recipe or teach them how to do the whole thing. I love just breaking these recipes down into little steps. So muffins are like seven different skills. So what can you do with a three-year-old? We'll teach them how to measure the teaspoon of cinnamon, right? What can you do with the seven-year-old who can read? Teach them how to follow the recipe. And it's just building these little tiny building blocks one at a time makes it more doable for parents in their head, right? Like, yes. Okay. Katie, I can teach my kid to measure a teaspoon of cinnamon. I can do that today. Even if I can't do the whole muffin recipe. You're right. That, that does like, it makes it way less intimidating. It does. And it's funny because you don't realize the skills that go into making a recipe. Like just when you said measure a teaspoonful, when I started really watching my kids, when they want to, they like to bake a lot but watching them and they're measuring and they have like this huge mounded teaspoonful. And I'm like, wait, there's a skill here that you can teach. You need to like level that thing off. And quite honestly, gonna... leveling is so satisfying. It is <laughs> it's so satisfying. <laughs> like slide the rest of the flour off the top there. <laughs> it is. It is very satisfying, but yeah, you don't even realize how many skills. I mean, just when you say that muffins are seven skills, it's pretty intense. I've, I've started doing the meat skills with kids with like oh, really handling chicken. And that's a really hard thing for kids to do because they're, they don't like to touch that thing. I, I was going to say, wait a minute. So to get my daughter to touch and I, I taught her this trick because this helped me when I first had to start cooking, which by the way, lit the microwave on fire once blew up a glass container. I was banned from the kitchen as a kid. <laughs> so my cooking skills, when I first got into and out of college was anything boxed like stovetop and like a frozen chicken filet. I was like, wow, that's gourmet. But anyway, when I had to first start touching uh, chicken, we we did gloves. Oh, so you don't do that. 
Like that's the only way. That's the only way I can get my daughter to touch it. (laughs) Yeah. So teaching them separate skills first, Katie, and then what, what really comes next? Because it seems such a far, like distance to really bridge from actually being self-sufficient in the kitchen to just teaching a few skills. So like, how does that progression happen? Yeah. At Kids Cook Grow Food, our process is a three-step process and it's kind of loosely based on the Montessori system. And so it's just demonstrate, guide, and coach to independence. And so demonstrating means you really should show them yourself before you hand them the knife or the measuring spoon, right? Or turn on the oven. And then the guide step is something that a lot of parents miss. And this is, um, it really vaults people to success. It vaults the kids to success. And so this entails having your hand over the child's hand or their hand over yours, doing things like cracking an egg, using the knife, you know, stirring something that's a little stiff. Kids can see the motions you make, but they can't tell how much pressure you're using. So that's one of the reasons where kids, kids have trouble cracking eggs or they'll stir and like pop the oatmeal from the granola bar recipe all over the counter. Right. And so that guide step is really, really, really nice, obviously for little kids, but even sometimes for big kids, if they're using a chef's knife, say, Hey, you know, let me put my hand over yours so we can get this motion almost like a dance. And then it's coaching to independence. So it's looking for those opportunities where, okay, we have built the skill of peeling I am going to have my child peel carrots and cucumbers at any opportunity I can for the next week, right? And then to really get them to independence, part of it is just letting go bit by bit, like allowing them to fail, allowing them to, to like be in the playground of the kitchen or the science lab of the kitchen, you know, and working kind of like, you know, watch me do it, do it with me, do it yourself. And really I, by seven, by seven, kids are totally capable of making a whole recipe themselves. Yeah. I like, okay. First, what you said there, it's funny because the, what you said is the Montessori system is something that is referred to in the teaching profession as real guided learning that mm-hmm. I do, we do, you do. Um, but the step of having the hand over, I didn't think about that. And now yeah. looking back to my experience in the kitchen with my son, I'm like, Oh, this is why he doesn't get it. Cause he doesn't know the pressure that's involved with the, the stirring. So that, that is a tip I'm going to use right now. Well, I feel like that's gold. It's like that, that was, that was something that is so simple. And it's the second you said it was like, of course Mm -hmm. that makes so the pieces are now fitting together. Yeah. And if your listeners have little, little ones, like two and three years old, that's so good. I mean, imagine if your two and three-year-old climbs up and puts his or her hand on top of your hand dozens of times. This is why we have four-year-olds in our program who crack a dozen eggs like a boss. (laughs) amazing. Well, I know one of the biggest concerns, I think of many parents of kids in the kitchen is knives. What age do you think would be good to start using like the sharp chef's knife? And like, what precautions do you need to put in place when you're teaching your kids these skills? We do start knives at age two, sometimes in two <laughs> months, but I mean, you went right to sharp chef's knife. That's not fair. Okay. Okay. okay well, tell right, me the progression. You, yeah. Yeah. Cause that's not where you start. So it's a beautiful thing to put just a butter knife, a dinner knife, right? In the hands of our two, three and four-year-olds, they feel like hot stuff. Okay. So that they're, they're loving it. That gives them the motivation to come back and want to help in the kitchen. And they can cut things like cooked carrots, right? Bananas, melon, like anything that's soft, they can begin to learn to cut. And the trick there is that we teach our two-year-olds the exact same techniques and names of how to hold the food, how to hold the knife as we do with the chef's knife, right? So we kind of teach them to respect that knife as if it's sharp. That helps everyone have the confidence, right? You're you're two, you're three, you're four, you're five, you're using that butter knife. Man, by the time kids are five and six, parents are going, huh, maybe I can trust them with a paring knife, which is why I said, it's not not fair to jump to the chef's knife because you got to start with 
a little knife for a little hand, start with that paring knife. And then it's really, really important to choose the right food. Okay. We're not setting our kids up for success. If we give them a paring knife and an apple or an onion, or, you know, something that's just really requires that chef's knife, but a paring knife is great for zucchini, um, celery, cucumbers, kind of those foods that are narrow enough. They're kind of that medium solid density mm-hmm. and they can do a lot with a paring knife. And again, you're reminding them to use habits, like stand your fingers up like a soldier. Hey, Hey, out of the way. We, we have a lot of fun phrases in our class so that we build a common vocabulary between parents and kids. And then they have that trust. They you've seen the kid at seven and eight using that paring knife. Um, I remember my third child, John, he's 10 now. He was four when I had that moment and like really taught all my kids to cook for the summer. And when he was seven, I think he said, mom, I think I'm ready to try the chef's knife, right? So so for him, because he desired it, seven was the summer of chef's knife. Um, I have a seven-year-old now. He's still working on the paring knife. So every child is really different, but that's the progression and just teaching that respect for the sharp knife. And also realizing that it's probably not going to be a hospital trip. It's just going to be a band-aid, right? If something were to go South and that band-aid experience is going to help them respect the sharpness of the knife quite a bit more in the future. I agree with that. I had a band-aid experience. It was an urgent care trip, but it was only because it was a finger wound and it was bleeding a lot. Your wounds tend to bleed a lot. I was waiting for <laughs> the story. I remember the story. Let's, are you talking no, about the lemonade no, yeah, stand? The lemonade stand. <laughs> When my daughter was seven, she and actually Bray's daughter decided to have a lemonade stand in front of our house at a yard sale. And she went in to cut lemons in the kitchen and she had been using a knife for like a while. I trusted her with the knife. She was doing a really great job, but got distracted for one second and sliced right into her finger. Mm -hmm. And those fingers, they bleed, they bleed a lot. And I was like, urgent care. And they're like, it's fine. (laughs) But those accidents do happen. And you know what? She has never cut herself with a knife since then. She has respected the sharpness of that knife. And she still uses a knife. Like it wasn't enough to scare her off of doing Mm -hmm. that. Yeah. That's the important thing. Have you ever had anything like that with your kids where they now have an experience where they now respect it? We have. For the first few years I did this, I was always able to say, oh, we've never had a knife accident. And then of course that ended. Uh, My (laughs) oldest Paul walked into the office once with wide eyes and he goes, mom, uh, I just cut myself. I was like, what, like, what happened? And I think it was, he, he had poked his palm with the oh. tip. I said, all right, well, what were you doing? Well, he was using a dollar store paring knife with like a two or three inch blade on this massive, like one pounder apple. I said, dude, that's the wrong knife for the wrong food. Right. You know, better yeah. than that. And so it was like super, super easy. I know my daughter has probably nicked herself about two times, but she's same as your daughter. She moves too fast. And gets mm-hmm. distracted a little bit, but, but again, in our e-course, that's why we set up these phrases, like keep your fingers, Hey, Hey, out of the way, stand up like a soldier. Um, and we have all these reminders, food moves, knife down, <laughs> knife moves, eyes down, um, just to make sure that kids are trying, kids are staying focused. And that's that coaching to independence too, is that we should stay close for the first little while. Hey, are you a parent of a teenager? Are you feeling overwhelmed about how to be what they need while also holding limits and boundaries that keep them safe? Are you tired of conversations that negate how messy this season of parenting is? Well, I've got you. My name is Casey O'Rourke. I am a positive discipline trainer, parent coach, and the host of the Joyful Courage podcast. Every week I come to you with an interview, digging into tough topics with experts I trust and solo shows that go deep into the personal growth and mindset needed to raise teens in a way that grows them into confident, capable 
young people. I am not afraid of getting real about the intersection of conscious parenting and the teen years, while also bringing in vulnerability, humor, and lightness. I'm walking the path with you and honored to serve. Listen to Joyful Courage on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. That's an important phrase. Knife move. What was it? Knife moves eyes uh, down. Food moves knife down. So food when you're moving moves. the food to the bowl, the knife is on the cutting board. And then if the knife is moving, your eyes are down. Man, I'm hearing all these scenes that I do really <laughs> badly in the I'm kitchen. Saying, like, my poor think, kids. No wonder they're like, I don't want to cook. I think my husband wants me to use some of these phrases because he's always says like, I give him a heart attack anytime I use a knife because I tend to be really distractible. Oh yeah. And yet I have never cut myself with a knife and he's cut himself twice. Just to put that on the record. I but- would say, <laughs> yes. So Joanne was doing this first in her household between the two of us. She had her kids doing cooking skills at home. And then she was telling me about it and how well that was working out that she was actually letting them kind of like cook some meals during the week. And wow, that sounded amazing. So I tried that with my kids once they were in like upper elementary. And I have to say it has been phenomenal. It is so nice. And we actually, we have a rule in our house too, that if you're the one who cooks, you're not the one who does dishes. Mm. So that also helps motivate them to be like, yeah, I'll cook. And then you also try to remind them, like, you can learn how to cook your favorite things. But then, then, like you said, that can turn into grilled cheese every night. Or like my daughter went through a fettuccine Alfredo phase for gosh, like a whole month. Oh my God. So that's a question I have for you, Katie, is because we, in our house, we had our kids pick a meal once a week, but getting them off of the grilled cheese and tomato soup or like the mac and cheese, at least they did like, they didn't do the box mac and cheese. They did like from scratch mac and cheese, but it was, it was almost impossible that we had to switch back to me and my husband, each like sharing the time with them and like showing them some skills. When you're thinking about your meals from the week in your house and trying to make them so that everyone is eating healthy, like making it healthy, healthier than mac and cheese, healthier than mac and cheese. Like not, uh, what do you do? Like, how do you manage that? Isn't it funny that mac and cheese and grilled cheese, we call them comfort foods, but they're also like comfortable to make. Yeah. So when you're, when you're in your comfort zone, it kind of makes sense depending on kids' personalities that they might not be naturally stretchable, <laughs> you know, like my, my daughter loves looking up new recipes. She would make a new recipe every time she cooked, if she had that much time and energy. Um, but not every kid is like that. Some kids like that comfort zone. And so often we just need to change that routine. So when my kids took over one meal a week for a whole year, they made pizza every Sunday they got really, you know, they memorized that homemade recipe. We loved it. And then the second year I said, okay, now you can make pizza every other week and the weeks in between, you need to choose something different, right? Something new. And 
And I think it's important to let them know that you're there for them. So let's say they choose a new recipe or they choose a recipe that they've seen you make, but it's still outside their comfort zone because they haven't actually done it. To sit down and talk through it. Talk through, right? Let's read all these ingredients. Hey, tell me, do you know where all of these are? Read the instructions and let's talk about like, tell me what this, you know, instruction number three, step three, what does this mean? What are you going to do in the kitchen? Where is the pot? And I just think that kind of settles kids' brains out of sort of that stress response and back into a comfort zone. And so we can, we can talk about that. Um, and we talked too about balanced meals. So even when they were making pizza, they needed to create a salad or some kind of side vegetable just so that it's balanced. And I think if you create that structure and model that it's pretty easy for kids to follow without a battle. Yeah. The structure is funny because like we have, you need to have a veggie or you need to have a side. And so bam, out come the frozen veggies, pop them in the microwave. And I'm like, okay, well, we're working with this here. <laughs> it's a start. <laughs> it's a start. It's a move. And then so it's a move in the general right direction. <laughs> but I, I want to pinpoint on what you said that you let them cook their own dishes for a year, because I think like that it gets so much in my head that I'm like, oh my gosh, my kids are learning, are doing this for so long now. It's been six weeks and they're cooking the same food. So hearing you say a year makes me feel a lot better. We had, we had a real purpose for that, honestly, because I wanted to volunteer with high school youth group at church. And my husband said, honey, that isn't dinner time. It's going to be a disaster. I'm not the most like time organized person. So he's like, you're going to have like a three quarter done dinner. You're going to throw it on the table. You're going to leave in a huff. And then I'm stuck with what's left. And I said, okay. And that's when I talked to Paul and Leah, they were nine and 12 at the time. And I said, would you guys be willing to take Sunday dinner so that I can do this act of service? And so that was the thing is I was actually out of the house. So I couldn't even help. That's kind of why we did just have the same thing to make sure that they could do it easily and, um, and keep with that routine. Do you and your husband switch off on making dinner? He is such a good husband. A couple of years ago, he said, honey, you're stressed. What can I do? He said, I'm going to make tacos every Wednesday. Okay. Cool. See, I apparently, apparently we have some systems that I don't even think about, but now, yeah, he makes two meals a week. I think that's so helpful. That's good. Yeah. That was one thing that was stressing me out, deciding all the meals. And so me and my husband, now we split it up where he does the grocery shopping and I'm totally fine with the cooking. As long as he goes to that grocery store and does everything, I'm like, what you're good. Yeah. Yeah. He gets what I need. And, uh, then he does a lot of the cleanup too. So that's nice as well. Anything, any way you could split it up so that the work's not all on us. Are there any other benefits that you feel like you've seen or felt with, with having your kids take on more cooking at home? Like we've talked about them being able to being able to cook, which is a big deal. Cause again, yeah. Brie did ba- bad things in the kitchen. So I went to college, didn't know how to do my laundry or cook laundry, the whole different story. But, uh, yeah, so it, there's a lot of things. It sounds like they can learn. What are some other things besides just learning the life skills of cooking? I started out from such a practical standpoint. I want them to know how to do this. I need a little help in the kitchen, right? We're looking for that balance and stress relief for mom. And at Kids Cook Real Food, we call them our three C's, these benefits, connection, confidence, and creativity. Because we have connection with our food and that helps kids to eat better and have a better relationship with food. We have connection with our family. You know, the screens are off, you're in the kitchen, you're working toward a common goal together. And that's, that's sometimes when I hear the best stories. Confidence, I touched on a little bit, just the fact if you can nourish another human being, kids know that's a real adult skill. They feel so good about that. And the creativity can't be understated. Cooking is this amazing outlet where you can both have that creative work with your hands. That's really good for kids on the spectrum, right? Like ADHD and autism, like working with their hands and getting into the dough or the vegetables, but also that artistic flavor of creativity. For kids to be able to take a recipe that an adult wrote 
and shift the seasonings, right? Shift the way they cook it and make it their own or to just make up something as they build enough skills. That is just, it's so powerful and it's such a creative force. So it's really pretty awesome to watch. There are so many benefits of cooking. Like I, I, I love it personally and being able to give that back to my kids. And I love how you're now teaching all kids how to do it and parents as well. The kids of the eighties and nineties who skipped those cooking skills. And you know what? Not everyone loves to cook though. No, no huge sticking point. I've got a lot of moms come to me and say, I hate cooking. No part of me wants to spend time teaching my kid. That's okay. But if we believe that healthy food is important, the only way to get it, especially on a budget is to figure out how to cook. And so props to all the moms who are using our course and who are saying like, this is not my thing but I'm going to figure it out. And I really want this for my kids. Yeah, that is amazing. And I, I agree that, you know, to get a healthy food and healthy diet, you definitely need to have some basics in the kitchen, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't have to take two or three hours in the kitchen. Every time it could be like really simple things. And I think that's something that I'm so glad that you're getting across and that moms need to hear more of that. It doesn't need to be like Pinterest recipes every night, you know, (laughs) but it's a process. It is totally a process. So what are you looking forward to right now, Katie? We are setting up a life skills now summer camp. It's an amazing free program. Joanne is one of our camp leaders and teaching life skills from the kitchen to things like finances and entrepreneurship. So that is going to be an amazing event. I'm really excited for it. Well, thank you, Katie, so much for coming on and uh, we'll talk to you really soon. Thanks. Oh my gosh. That tip that Katie had about putting her hands, like having her kids put their hands on hers when she's cooking. Like I never thought of that before. I never did either. And I have to tell you, I used it over this weekend. My daughter was trying to iron something, but I totally did that because of Katie mentioning it. I'm like, that is brilliant. Yeah. Having kids do chores like ironing and having kids cook in the kitchen, that's a big part of Yield the Work, which we teach in Calm and Happy Parenting. Yes. Okay. You're the one who introduced this concept to me of kids cooking. And I have to say it has been a game changer in our household. It has helped take so much stress off of my shoulders every night after finishing work and then having to figure out what we're going to cook. I don't have to deal with it. I don't have to meal plan for the whole week because yeah. people get to pick their stuff. And my and I know my kids are learning life skills and they're not going to be like me going off to college, not knowing how to work anything but a microwave. Yes, it does. It builds a lot of confidence in kids. Like my 13-year-old, she takes over most of her meals. But with my eight-year-old, it's still a lot of we do where I'm in the kitchen with him. And mm-hmm. so like he cooks a mean macaroni and cheese and it's not craft. It's actually with real cheese. But he can do all the stuff himself and I just busy myself in the kitchen so that I'm there if he needs me, but he's doing the work himself. So we're like on that last part of we do where he is taking it over. It's taken a lot of stress off your shoulders. It's taken a lot of stress off. And I think that's what giving more responsibilities to our kids and to our family does. We're all in this together as a family. It is not all on mom. And that is one thing that I think if every family was able to do this and embrace it, oh my gosh, can you imagine what we could all accomplish as moms and as women? We would have so much free brain space. We would have free brain space. We would have free time and we would also have that confidence and take away some of that anxiety we have that our kids are not going to have life skills and they're going to end up in a van down by the river. The van down by the river. Because that's just my thing. That's where I go. I feel like Katie's episode really brought out that whole yield the work, which is our our last section of Common Happy Parenting. It is huge. And if you guys haven't seen or heard of Common Happy Parenting, we have got a link in the show notes. And if you liked what Katie had to say, you're going to love Common Happy Parenting. You are. So until next time, remember the best mom's a happy mom. Take care of you and we'll talk to you later. Thanks for stopping by.
If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent with sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast.